0: Right, I have a new mic on, and he said it's going to work really nice, so let's hope so. Well, good morning, everyone. It's nice to see you again. I trust you've had a good couple of weeks. Did you? How many of you went to the fair? I understand it was fair. Yeah? How many of you participated in the fair? All right, good for you. I uh, had an interesting week myself at the fair in Dickinson County, which is probably, and somebody will have to forgive me, but probably the worst county fair in Iowa. <laughs> um, there's a lot of money in Dickinson County, and it all goes for lakes. doesn't go for ag. But in spite of that, we tried to have a good time, so... We participated in a program with Sophie this summer called Beef Buddies, so she had a calf that she had to take care of, Jones Dairy, which is down towards Spencer, donated calves, loaned them out for the summer, and that was quite fun. She did like going out to the farm, taking the water, taking the feed, doing those things. Then we went to the fair. Sophie doesn't like heat, she doesn't like crowds, she doesn't like noise. (laughs) I had a good time taking care of the calf. That, 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 that actually didn't go too bad, and uh, then we also, because somebody else had a different program called Bacon Bits, she also had a pig at the fair, <laughs> which also also be true to say, I had a pig at the fair, and <laughs> Sophie went and looked at the pig, and so on Tuesday we showed the calf. That actually went pretty good, and she had a good time, and uh, and on Wednesday we showed Pigs. <laughs> <laughs> it, we made a memory. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was not a lot of fun for Sophie. Afterwards, someone said, "You know that little tapper you had, that little whip. That's what you're, you were not to use your boots on the pigs." But we we survived. And uh, but it was it was a, it was a crazy week. And so, but that's how life is, isn't it? It's kind of nuts sometimes. And so, but here we are. So this morning I have brought two visitors with me. Would you like to know who they are? Yes. All right. Well, <laughs> yes, they're sitting right back there. So uh, the taller of the two, although he's not, he slouched down his seat right now. His <laughs> so the one that has a good-looking head like me is Rule Burkout. Rule is a professor of English in the city of Amsterdam in the Netherlands, and uh, so he's here. It's pretty cool to have you here. You're like exotic. (laughs) Uh, We have been friends for a long time. We're friends from Ecuador from my days as a missionary there, and uh, if you get a chance, say hello to him afterwards. He's a delightful guy. We laugh a lot and have have good times together, and seated beside him is a man named Jeffrey Smith, whose parents were missionaries in Ecuador to the Kichwa people, the same people that I later worked with. So Ecuador's the tie. Jeffrey is from Phoenix, and Jeffrey works for a company in that has to do with golf down in in Phoenix, named Ping. So if you're a golfer, you want to talk to Jeffrey afterwards. A uh, nice part about both men, uh, passionately committed to Christ, and so we have a lot of a lot of fun time together. We also have a great fellowship together, and. The Lord just put it together. I don't know when the last time all three of us were in one place at the same time, but it's been a good time. And so I brought them along, and uh, there they are. They're here with us this morning. So it's a little bit, it's just a little bit intimidating because, you know, I come here and I preach to you, but none of you have ever, like, been in my house, but they have. And so, you know, the Lord will have to help me a little bit this morning, because honestly it is just a little bit. This is about God, it's not about me. But you can't help but all of a sudden wonder, hmm, kind of wonder if on the ride home they might say, yeah, well, <laughs> that was a nice idea. Um, why don't you try living that? Um, but I was uh, appreciated the music this morning, and as you were playing for the offertory, the words of come Thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing your praise. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. But of course, you get to that main part. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Prone to hear you and not heed it. Prone to scorn you and your love. Prone to wander. (laughs) Well, that's me. I don't know about you. So let's go to prayer and bring our thoughts in on God's word. Lord Jesus, thank you this morning that you call us to gather together, to worship you, to sing praises, and Lord, I thank you that we have done that. Lord, I, I, I help me today as I preach to preach well, to explain your word, Lord, to be honest, uh, to be transparent. Um, Father, we'll give you the glory for it, and I ask, Lord, too, that those who are here will be able to shut out the outside world for a little while, turn off the technology, turn off the busyness of life focus, and learn something so that we're prepared, Lord, to go back out and do battle again. Um, Lord, I thank you uh, for these days that I've been able to be here. You are an incredible, merciful God, and we thank you for it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Scripture reading this morning will come from Genesis chapter 50. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. If not, you listen along. I'll be reading verses 15 through 26, Genesis chapter 50. 15 through 26. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers in their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of God your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring it about as it is this day, to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So Joseph dwelt in Egypt. He and his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw Ephraim's children. To the third generation, the children of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were also brought up on Joseph's knees. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall surely you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being one hundred and ten years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Well, today I want to talk about, and the message is entitled Iron in Our Souls. And we're going to look at the life of Joseph and try to learn some lessons from it. <clears throat> hey, diddle, diddle, the cat and the fiddle, the cow jumped over the moon. The little dog laughed to see such a sport, and the dish ran away with a spoon. What does that mean? It means nothing. It means nothing. I have no idea what, what it means, but it, it, it works good here. It makes no sense at all. And many times, neither does life. Try to explain to me some of the things that happen in your life or happen in mine. Since I've seen you last, a very good friend of mine who lives near Sibley, Iowa, lived near Sibley, farmer, Ned DeBoer, was killed in a tractor rollover. He's 49 years old. I've known Ned all my life. I performed the wedding for them. 20 years later on their anniversary, I stood in the same church, and participated in the funeral. I said to his wife, I have no idea how this makes sense. She doesn't either, but she's a woman of strong faith. And I will never forget his father. Ned's father was sitting there when I showed up at the place. He's in his late 80s. He looked up at me, tears streaming down his face, reached out his hand, and he said, Daniel, God makes no mistakes. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Incredible faith. But it, that's all good. But it still doesn't make sense. This is one of the nicest guys on the planet. More than one person has said to me, I could think of a long list of people we'd be better off without. Life doesn't always make sense. And I know the Lion King says hakuna matata works, but it only works on t-shirts, <laughs> probably. And, uh, but it doesn't work in real life, not for very long. Because in real life, we're trying to figure out, well, that's fine, but how does this this work? So this morning, I want to ask the question, does suffering have a purpose? Suffering comes from sickness. Suffering comes from bad decisions, betrayals, and insults, and uh, and other miserable situations. Well, I'm going to try to answer that question looking at the life of Joseph. Joseph didn't always know what was coming. You guys don't know what is coming, of course. I could mention the elephant in the rooms. You're going to decide today whether you call that new pastor. Isn't that exciting? Yes. Yes. (laughs) And all I can tell you about the new pastor coming, as I've said before, be kind to him, love him, get ready for change, embrace it when it comes. Um, Let him minister to you. All pastors are created different. I am not a pastor, I am a mule. I come in here and I kick you and I teach you and I say whatever I like because I don't work for you, and, and, and that is, there's, a, there's a place for that, but I haven't discipled or shepherded any of you, so I've prayed for you and I'll pray for you as you make your decision, um, and I will pray for Nathan, may God's will be done. Let's talk about Joseph's life. And uh, we could spend a long time doing this, but we're just going to talk through it. Uh, Joseph is, uh, and, and we go to the Old Testament, of course, and we go to the book of Genesis. We talk of the patriarchs. We have Abraham, his son Isaac. Isaac then has two sons. The chosen one is Jacob. Jacob has many sons and daughters. And out of those, one of them is named Joseph, and we're focused on him this morning now. It goes from Genesis chapter 37 to Genesis chapter 50, and we're not going to read all of that, of course. But Joseph, in Genesis chapter 37, it starts, he was the favorite son, all fathers and all mothers have a favorite son, even if they say they don't. In my family, it was me. (laughs) And if you don't believe me, you can ask all of my sisters and brother, and they will tell you I was the favorite. And he was the favorite, and of course he was given a coat of many colors, so that kind of set him apart. You know that's going to set up conflict in the home, but his father did it anyway. He was a dreamer, and he would have dreams, and then he would come and tell his older brothers those dreams, which was not a good idea. Oh, I had a dream one guy, you guys will all be bowing down to me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right in your dreams. Well, literally in his dreams. And of course, we know it did happen. And uh, he also talked about the fact that his father and mother would bow down to him. Well, the fact is, it did happen, but sometimes you don't want to tell your older brothers and sisters what is going on. So, of course, they didn't like him. He was a spoiled little brat. And he came one day when they were out in the field and they were shepherding the sheep and they saw him come and they said, let's kill him. And one of his brothers said, no, 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 let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in a pit without water. A little bit better. And so they do that, and then this brother, I think it was Reuben, he went away, and while he was gone, Judah says, hey, look there, here are some Midianites going by, let's, just, let's sell him, and we're not guilty of murder. We'll just be guilty of slavery. And so they did, they sold him for 20 pieces of silver, Off he goes, his father, you know, they dip the coat in blood, they trick his father, he thinks he's dead, all that, long story. But, But then Joseph is sold into slavery. I call that ouch number one of Joseph's life. He had to ask, what do these dreams have to do with this? This doesn't make sense. Ouch number one. In, there's, in Genesis chapter 39 and 40, then, we learn about Joseph's life as a slave. Now he's a slave, and uh, he's already been sold to these guys. They sell him to a guy named Potiphar, and so he's dealing with being a slave. But while he's in Potiphar's home, he is a good administrator. And Potiphar notices, man, everything this guy's hand touches turns out great. So I am I'm putting him in charge of everything. And he does. Unfortunately, Potiphar's wife was not a morally upright person, and she said, I like that guy. I'd like to have an affair with him. She tries to set it up. He runs out of the house and makes her look bad. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. I didn't write it, but I will repeat it. And Joseph found out that was true. And so, of course, she goes to her husband and said, oh, he came in and tried to do these terrible things. I'll bet you Potiphar knew but he wasn't man enough to face his wife down. And I say this to men all the time. Man, stand up and stop being afraid of your wife. What is she going to do? Does she have a baseball bat? I mean, sometimes, and I learned this through experience, you have to say no and mean it. Other times, you're a jerk, guys, and you need to stop doing that too. But Potiphar says, oh, okay, well, so he throws him into prison. I suppose his wife was happy. I don't know. And so there, Joseph is in prison. Ouch number two. Lord, (laughs) I had these dreams about people bowing down to me, and you sell me, and I'm sold as a slave. I don't get that. Now, worse than that, I'm a slave in a prison? How much lower can you go? And there he is, but of course, once again, it doesn't take very long, they realize this guy's really got something, they put him in charge, basically, of running the prison from the inside. Still not a nice place to be, mind you, but that's where he was. Well, there he He runs across uh, many people, including a baker and a butler that used to work for Pharaoh. And uh, these guys each have their dreams, and they come to him and say, could you interpret the dreams? And he says, who interprets dreams but God? Now, you can see his faith is still strong. It's really incredible there. And uh, to the butler... The butler comes and says, well, I had this dream, and da-da-da, and he says, oh, you're going to be restored, you'll soon be serving Pharaoh again, and when that happens, don't forget about me. Oh, no, I won't forget about you. And to the uh, baker, unfortunately, he says, "Mm, you're going to lose your head, and he did. The The butler goes back to work for Pharaoh, forgets all about old Joseph, leaves him there in prison, time goes on. That's ouch number three. He's been betrayed and sold into slavery by his own family. He's been thrown into prison by his boss. And now he's been betrayed and forgotten by his friends. In Genesis chapter 41 through 50, there's a big change. Pharaoh has a dream. When he has a dream, all of a sudden the butler remembers and says, There's this guy in jail. And he interpreted my dreams. Well, Pharaoh said, go get him. And when he brings him, if we would read those verses, which I think we're going to. There's just a few verses there in, in Genesis chapter 41. Um, verse 16. The first thing that Joseph does, we find here. So Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer peace." The first thing... Uh, uh, Joseph does is points to God. Secondly, verses 25 to 32, he explains the dream. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years. The seven good heads are seven years, and the dreams are one. And the seven thin and ugly cows which came up after him are seven years. And the seven empty heads blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. As Joseph talks to that thing, it's Pharaoh, God said this, God's going to do this, God's going to do that. He didn't say, oh, mighty Joseph here, I'll show you what to do. When he explains the dream, Joseph then, he, he also offers a plan. And God has a plan, Pharaoh, here it is. He just lays it out there. Now, this seems like something that only, you know, a writer could dream up. Pharaoh looks at him and he says, basically, I don't have anybody smarter than this guy in the whole kingdom. You're in charge of the whole show. Time goes on. Now Joseph is running things in Egypt. And when he's running things in Egypt, one day his brothers and father get hungry back up in Canaan and they say, we better go down to Egypt and buy some, buy some grain." Well, they come down, and there's this whole interplay of Joseph and his brothers. And uh, finally, Joseph invites his brothers and his father to come down to Egypt. Jacob Jacob later dies in Egypt. Joseph, at the end, of course, dies in Egypt as well. We're going to go back and focus on some things, but that's the story and how it goes. But let's review for a minute those ouches. He was betrayed and sold into slavery, ouch number one. He was thrown into prison for a lie, ouch number two. And he was forgotten by ungrateful people, ouch number three. The old one, two, three. If you're a boxer, two left jabs and a right cross, and it's all over but the crying. And and Joseph was out, he was done. Well, my question is, does it sound like your life? Now, there have been times in my life when it sounds like my life. Sometimes I'm just pouting, but sometimes life is tough. I've told you about my daughter. I, I, uh, I think of my father this morning. My mother, when she was in her 50s, one day suffered a severe cerebral aneurysm. She survived that, and she... Uh, lost her short-term memory, she was severely incapacitated, and uh, that was the last time I ever had a conversation with her. She, you couldn't talk to her. And I remember I was just getting ready to go to Ecuador, so there was a conversation in my family, three sisters, brother, everybody's older than me, and they're talking about, what shall we do with mom? Because my dad literally didn't know how to boil water on the stove. And, you know, one said, well, I think she'll have to go to the nursing home, and one said this, and she's in her 50s, mind you. And I said, I don't know what to say, I'm leaving for, for Ecuador, I don't know, I, I'll, I'll, I just have to support what we whatever you decide. <laughs> My dad wasn't a real talkative guy, but when he talked, you tended to listen, and so suddenly he kind of lifted his hand, and everybody stopped, and he said these words, which I've never forgotten. I seem to remember that I married your mother for better or for worse. I've had for better. I'll take for worse. She's going home. End of discussion. And he took care of her at home for 10 years. It was miserable. And she was 10 years in the nursing home. It was miserable. He did not deserve that. It was one, two, three. They had all these dreams and all these plans. And I look at it and I say, well, that life, there are things in my life I didn't plan on. There are things in your life. Well, what, it is, what is this thing, suffering? Is it, is it from God? Is it from the devil? Does it make any sense? So let's talk a little bit about three things, the process of suffering, the problem of suffering, and the purpose of suffering. So the process of suffering, first of all, is this. And what I've learned is I've watched in my own life, and I think we learned the same thing from Joseph's life, God is on the move in the process. God is on the move. He's got a plan. J. Oswald Chambers says God's preparation is definite, drastic, and destructive. And it usually is. When we're being formed, when something's happening and something's difficult, it it is destructive. Joseph was betrayed by his family. How about you? Anybody here been betrayed by family? Some of us have. It hurts. Of course it doesn't hurt when your enemy betrays you because they can't betray you. You don't trust them anyway. If you've been betrayed by an employer, isn't that nice when you get fired? Some some people have never experienced that. I I highly recommend it. It's good for you. (laughs) Yeah, sure. It just uh, brings you right down face to face with who you are. Or being betrayed by friends. I don't care how old you are, that happens. You were friends with Susie on Thursday, but on Monday she doesn't like you anymore. That's, that's hard. It's about perspective, this process of suffering. Focus. What are you looking at when you're suffering? Now, Jeffrey and Rule both do long travels, and Jeffrey at one point did a lot more probably than he does now, well, than he does now. But long flights from overseas can really stress me out when i have to do it if the night before i fly i begin to think now tomorrow morning i have to get up and and i have to get up at this time and then i have to get showered and i have to get my bags and i have to get down and i have to get the taxi i have to get to the airport and i have to get out through security and then i have to get on the plane and i have to get on the plane and i have to find my seat and then after that then i have to get there then i have to change this i mean i can get myself so worked up i can't sleep all night and so i take a step back and say I've got to get up tomorrow morning at 4 a.m. I set my alarm. I have my bags packed. That's it. I refuse to think about what I'll do when I, uh, when I get to the airport. I'll do airport stuff. When I get on the plane, I'll do plane stuff. When I get to this city, I'll transfer. I'll do that. When I, otherwise, I can get myself thinking all the way to Sioux Falls, and I'll say, oh, but I get to my, I'll get to my pickup, and the battery will be dead. <laughs> well... And, and and really, I think it, that ties in when we're suffering and when God has us in that process where He is refining us. We have to focus on the right now and not not just just think about this whole thing in front of me. Oh, this is going to be how long, and I'm going to be sick how long? And it, no, what what do I what do I do today? Focus. In in uh, Genesis chapter 45, one of the, the things where Joseph talks about, about this with his brothers when they're all scared when he first meets him, He says, hey, 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 God's turning this into good. This is bad. This is tough, but it's turning it into, in, into good. But you have to keep your eyes focused forward. Not, not, not looking back. Keep pouring. We're going to keep going forward. You know, when I was, I don't know, 14 years old, my dad got this great idea, and he brought home this rear mount cultivator. And I, I I was pretty good from about eight years old. I could, tr- I could cultivate all day with a front-mount cultivator. I used a 3010 John Deere tractor. I sat on that seat. This arm went here on the seat. This hand went here on the steering wheel. And you stayed in this position for eight hours. And you stared right there at that row, and you could watch it go right between. Cultivating's a lost... I think they should bring it back just so people could grow. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> he says, no... So my dad brings home a rear mount. I look at it and say, how will I do that? How will I ever see where I'm going? So there's a guide on the front. And the first time he took me out, he said, now here's the key. Don't look back. Okay. Get around, saw him drive off put her in in the ground, got all lined up, and away I went. How far did I go? Ten feet down. And when I did this, I did this. (laughs) And then you see it start going that way, so you do that. I mean, you know, it was just a disaster. So what did I do? Of course, I quickly got out, picked up all the corn that was now cut off, and stuck it back in the ground. (laughs) So he could not see. It's like how dumb. It's like trying to pull that stuff on God. Because... In two weeks, it's all dead. And he's there, and he just looked at it, and he said, you looked back, didn't you? <laughs> yep. And when suffering's going on, I think that's what, we've we got to keep our eyes moved forward, and going on, it didn't, do, it didn't do Joseph any good to think about his days back with his coat of many colors, because that wasn't going to change anything. Keep your eyes forward and focused on Christ All creatures are under God's control. F.B. Meyer says it this way in this process. He says, when you're suffering, they are holding to your lips the cup which the Father's hand has mixed. Now that has taken me through a lot of painful times in my life to say, okay, this is unjust, this is unfair, this is unkind. But God knew this, so drink your medicine. Take it down and let that process go through you and purify you, even if it's unjust. Now I'm going to take you into some really deep theological waters here. I'm going to read you a section out of the Heidelberg Catechism. It's kind of long, but it's really good. The almighty and ever-present power of God whereby he still upholds. This is, is, is talking about the providence of God, Okay the almighty and ever-present power of God, whereby he still upholds, as it were, by his own hand, heavens and earth, together with all creatures, and rules in such a way that leaves and grass, rain and drought, fruitful and unfruitful years, food and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, and everything else comes to us not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. Oof. That, that, that that's... If we think about that and we can hold on to that, it'll bring tremendous peace into our lives, but it's also tough. That's tough stuff when there's famine in the field, when there's famine in relationships, when there's famine in our, in our lives. Augustine went so far as to say that God sometimes permits evil to transform it into greater good. Remember, God is on the move in your life, and his perspe- perspective is eternal. eternal. that was the process what about the problem well the problem rolls in 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 this and I want to read just one little short verse here in Job chapter 26 verse 14 says indeed these are the mere edges of his ways and how small a whisper we hear of him but the thunder of his power who can understand there's a problem with suffering we don't fully understand it why it's happening why me we don't and we don't see fully. We can only see one side of it at a time. And we say, well, you know, not in our lives. You know, if, if you haven't asked, someday you will ask the question, Lord, why? Why? Uh, just yesterday, my brother was over and he was talking with my friends who were visiting and, uh, um, and, and Jeffrey asked my brother, well, how many children do you have? And and my brother said, well, I have an older daughter, Jessica, and she lives in uh, uh, down by Ankeny, and I have son, Lou, and then I, I had a, a, another daughter, Jocelyn, and she died when she was 20. And he wept. It's 20 years ago. It just But it, the pain doesn't go away. The pain doesn't go away. And we ask, Lord, why? I don't know. And we don't see it, but... God does and that's where we have to what we have to hang on to it our focus is temporal it's all on this earth but God's is eternal and we need to gain that eternal focus and I'd say when you're going through suffering when times are, are tough keep your eyes focused on the eternal I've said it many times and I said it to Linda who is the widow of my good friend I said Linda I don't I have not walked through this. I don't know how to tell you how to do this other than to relate a little bit to my life with Sophie, my daughter. I said, when I can keep my eyes focused that Sophie is eternal and that this is eternal and the day will come in glory when she sits on my knee and talks to me. When I keep my eyes focused like that on the fact that this life is eternal, this is not my home, I'm just passing through, it's okay. It's okay. When I get my eyes off the eternality and just start to think earthly, life's pretty rotten. And I think it'll be that way for you as well. And so that's the problem of suffering. We see, all we do is we see this right here. We don't understand it. We're not going to until we get to glory. But is there a purpose in it? So we've talked about the process and the problem. Now let's talk about the purpose. Well, the purpose of suffering is about the preparation of us. It's getting us ready. In Psalm 105, verse 18, there's a verse about Joseph, and it says, They hurt his feet with fetters, and he was laid in irons. Now, it's an interesting way to put it. Young's literal translation translates the Hebrew this way. They have afflicted with fetters his feet, and iron has entered his soul. And the Hebrew rabbis say, yeah, that's really the idea, is that iron is entering the soul. It's kind of one of those phrases that they have in Hebrew. Do you have any iron in your soul? Because this is one of the principal ways God turns us into stronger and better people, is through suffering. When do you grow? When you're suffering. You know, when do athletes get stronger when they're suffering? Now, some of us, you know, I'm 55 and I, I still want to get out several days a week and jog. And sometimes I think, you know what? I think I'll just push it an extra mile today. I know I don't look like I jog, but I do it in the dark so nobody can see me. <laughs> um, but I think I'll just push it a little harder today, and then tomorrow I'll just get a little. I don't get I, I, that doesn't happen like it did even 10 years ago. It just hurts. And, and so, but in the same way, that's when we grow stronger, and it's when we grow stronger as believers. When we're suffering is when we lift up our eyes and say, from whence cometh my hope, my hope cometh from the Lord. And all of a sudden, when I'm going through suffering, I can sing hymn after him after him that I knew as a child that I don't think about other times, verses of scripture come to mind because I dig down deep and I bring that up. Suffering is what produces suffering that perfection in our soul. Uh, In James, it says, when we suffer, we become more peaceful. In Job, it says that when we suffer, we know God better. And uh, in Romans chapter 5, it says, perseverance and joy become a part of our life. Well, it's about the preparation of us when we're suffering, but it's also about the preparation of others. You know, when we have suffered, who's the best comforter of someone who's hurting? the one who has been hurt. I see it in my brother's life. He and his wife have a very active ministry called Grief Share uh, down in Okaboji, And they every, every year they have a couple different sessions. And here come the people who have lost spouses. And then those they have a separate one for those who have lost children. Sometimes in the morning I'll see my brother and he looks like he's been road hard and put away wet. And I said, oh, was last?" he said, yeah, last night was night number one. But, you know, beggars can tell other beggars where they found bread. The rest of us don't even know where the free bread is. And so if you've been hurt, use it as a ministry. And the broken serve the broken, is what Scripture says as well. well the good news is suffering is for a little while. That's what it says in Peter. And in Revelation seven sixteen. never again. When we get to glory, it's all over. There's no more suffering, there's no more pain, not at any time. You know, Joseph in his life suffered the betrayal of his family, the betrayal of an employer, and then the betrayal of his friends. And through that, there was physical suffering as well. Well, I don't know what your suffering has been, but I know that either everyone here has suffered in some way or will. And when that happens, keep your eyes focused on the eternal, perspective of our lives. This is not all there is. This is not all there is. I am I can't say that enough and probably can't say it well enough. Robert Browning Hamilton wrote a little poem and it says this "Uh, I walked a mile with pleasure she chattered all the way but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked A mile with sorrow, and never a word said she, but oh the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. We began today with a poem that makes no sense, and we end with a poem that does make sense. But it only makes sense when we accept the suffering that comes into our lives, keep our focus on Jesus, and allow his iron to come into our soul. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that we don't have to do it alone. We don't walk alone. We don't sleep alone. We don't wake up alone. We don't talk alone. Lord, in our homes, you are there and you walk with us. And Lord, we fear suffering because it hurts like we fear shots and dentists and things like that, Lord. But it help us, Father, to accept and allow your iron to come into our souls so that we can stand strong. That we can stand strong in front of a courthouse and protect innocent life. That we can stand strong when we work and reflect Christ to those around us. That we can stand strong in our home, Lord, when our kids are just driving us nuts. Lord, your iron in our soul. Make it happen, but Lord, be merciful to us while it's going on. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.